Shalom. Welcome to Britain Messianic Synagogue's Tuesday night Bible study. I'm Rabbi Eric, and I appreciate the few weeks in a row that other people have been sharing. And if you didn't listen to uh, Rabbi Jonathan's teaching last week, and I think David Wilkes taught the week before that, I encourage you to go to the website, shalompensacola.com. Go to Rabbi's Corner, and on there you can find the videos of past studies uh, going back several years, I believe, are on there. So encourage you to do that. A few announcements uh, to make real quick. Uh, youth night will be February 6th, this Sunday, uh, which is January 3rd at 1130. The ladies are having a sisterhood social at Rio Bravo at Cordova Mall. Uh, on the 4th of January at 6 p.m., Catherine is turning 30, and we're having a birthday party for her here. Uh, the 23rd of January is Isaac and Israel Railings Bar Mitzvah, and then the following week on the 30th will be the Bat Mitzvah for Margot and Eliana. Our inter-congregational picnic is January 31st, and we'll be joined by people from uh, Am Yisrael and Navarre and Dothan Messianic Fellowship uh, for that, and we encourage you to come be part of that. Uh, don't forget, you can order a Bridom t-shirt. Danny Boys is uh, in Israel and Jerusalem, has IDF jackets. They're the fleece jackets for only $25 plus a share of the shipping cost. So if you want one of those, let us know. Calendars are available in the office. Mark your calendar for VTS July 19th through 23rd. And all the other information you need to know is on our website and our social media. You can check that out. Also, I'm told to remind everybody that the last chance to donate before the end of the year uh, is coming up very quickly. So if you're one of those people that waits till the end of the year, not that we have any procrastinators in our congregation, but... If you're one of those people, this would be the time to do that so that you can take advantage of the tax uh, discount. And this year especially, uh, if you're, one, if you're a, someone who gives, um, the, uh, because of the CARE Act, a much larger percentage of your donations of your income can be written off as donations. So uh, this would be an opportunity to take a larger uh, deduction on your taxes. And I am sure that most of us don't want to pay any more taxes than we have to to the government. So with that said, those are all the announcements. Please pray for Fred and Robin, for Jerry and Sandy, for Robert and Marquita, for Miss Mabel, for Jeremy, for Misha, for Zach, for Jake, for Gordon, for Rabbi Bell and Rabbi Greenberg. For uh, Rabbi Barsky, also he just got home from the hospital. He has a mild case of COVID, and so we want to pray for him. Uh, pray for Daniel, for Ken, for Glenn, for Lauren, for Kevin, for Sarah, for Rachel, for Will, for Timothy, for Tracy, for Raphael, for Bethany, for Lita, for Cynthia, for Amanda, for Jim and Francis, for Rennie, for Denise, for Zolina, for Terry, for David, for Rob, for Karen, for Richard, for Patty, for Noah, for Tom, for Anita, for Catherine, for Michelle, uh, and are there any requests in the house? Yes. Sedona. Sedona. Please pray for Sedona. We can take Catherine's name off. Yeah, the, 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 the different shutdowns, especially the one in Saudi Arabia, would, would open up so that uh, Jonathan's father can get back into Saudi. Yes, that everything gets clear for a trip to Uganda next summer. Anyone else? Catherine's aunt. Catherine's aunt. And we have praise report without getting into it, but God is restoring families and, and wonderful things are happening and we're excited about that. And God is providing in amazing and powerful ways. So Avinu Malkeno, our Father, our King, we thank you so much for the opportunity to just share our needs and our requests with one another and more importantly with you, knowing that you are sovereign over all things 
and Abba, that you are the one that's going to answer these prayers. We ask that you'll help us to step back and allow you uh, free reign to answer these prayers in the way that you would, because we know that all of the ways that you have are so much higher and better than ours. Father, it's not up to us to instruct you on how to do your job. It's up to us to worship you, praise you, and thank you for being our King and our Father and loving us. We pray for healing for those that need healing. We pray for financial blessing for those that need finances. We pray for restoration for those whose families uh, need to be restored. And we thank you for all of these things in Yeshua's name. Amen and amen. <clears throat> so it's been a few weeks since I taught Romans, so I want to back up just a few verses uh, into chapter 4, and then we're going to go through chapter 5 tonight. Um, so Romans 4, 17, and we're backing up to get a, a, a thought so we can make a running start into chapter 5. Uh, it says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he trusted, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence that which does not exist. Now I want to stop there and just remind you that when he says, I've made you a father of many nations, that's when Hashem changed Abram to Abraham. He made him a father of many nations just by changing his name, and the promise became given. A lot of times we think there has to be this whole long prophetic word given or, or something done, but with the Lord it's just one letter being added to a name can change fundamentally everything about that person and everything about that person's promises. And, and Abraham's promise to be the father of many nations was done, and it came to pass the moment God said, you are Abraham instead of Abram. And so we have to understand that. And so when it says he's our father in the sight of God in whom he trusted, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence that which does not exist, and that reminds us of the words in the Brit Kadashah that says, speaking things that aren't as though they were. This is part of who and what we are in our understanding of the Lord, that just by speaking that letter, those, that change of, of his name from Abram to Abraham, he called into existence that which didn't exist. And so we have to understand and allow that to be applied to our lives in God, because God has given us promises that we have not yet seen fulfilled. Uh, one of my promises, and, and I share this uh, in one of my books, and I'm not selling the book, so I'm not even going to name the book. You can look it up online. But it's the promise that God gave me that my mom would become a believer. And so, you know, I became a believer. It wasn't very well accepted in my family. As a, a Jewish young person, my family was not real thrilled with me becoming a believer in Yeshua. And uh, But I prayed, and I asked the Lord to redeem my mom to save her that she would spend eternity in heaven and but from then it was 20 something years before she came to faith and in that time there were ups and downs there were you know all kinds of things that went on and and as time went on there were times where you know it looked like she was moving and then the pendulum swung and then she looked like she was moving, and then the pendulum swung back again. And, and there were a lot of times that I would, I would almost yell at God. You know, why are you doing this? Why is this happening? She was so close, and then this happened, and, and so close, and then this happened. And why is this going on? And, you know, ultimately she does come to faith uh, just before she passes away. And uh, she proclaimed her, her faith in Yeshua. She asked me to proclaim her faith at her funeral to all of her friends and family, and, and it was a, a promise that God had fulfilled. Now, the truth is, God had answered that prayer when I first prayed it. I just didn't see the answer until my mom proclaimed her faith. And I could have, at any one of those uh, transition points, walked away. Oh, God's not going to do it. Give up. You know, so many times uh, it, it, it's funny because my, my uh, when we drive, when we go places, there's a lot of times we'll drive and we'll go, well, we must have missed it. 
Well, we'll just go. If it's not at the next turnoff, we'll just turn around and go back. And then it's at the next turnoff. Or it's at the, you know, if we just hang on just a little further, just a little longer, it's there. And uh, that's the way it is sometimes with our faith. If we just hang on just a little longer, if we just hold on to God's promise, it'll happen. And in the case of Abraham, this is years and years and years and years and years before he actually becomes the father of Isaac and Ishmael. Listen, when I say that we have to pay attention to the Scripture, it doesn't say you'll be the father of a nation, but you'll be the father of many nations. And Isaac and Ishmael become the fathers of many nations. And then beyond that, it says all the nations of the earth would be blessed because of him. But he wasn't just the father of a nation, Israel. He was a father of all the nations that come through Ishmael also. And Ishmael becomes equally blessed by God. If you look at the promise given to Ishmael and the promise that was given to Isaac, they're very similar in the number of tribes, the number of peoples, the number of things going on. So we have to understand when God made this promise, he meant the entire promise. And uh, I tell people, and I've said this story before, so if you've heard it, please just endure with it while I tell it. Uh, years ago, Pammy and I were extremely poor. Now we're, now we're just poor. But we, back then we were extremely poor. And now we're blessed. Let me... But, but, you know, and, and the truth is, and, and I, I, we laugh about this, but we used to make two grocery lists. One was a list we wanted to buy, and the other was a list we could buy. And we made this list one time, and I was working at a job I hated, uh, but I was going every day because if you don't work, you don't eat. And I like to eat. So I would go to work, but I hated the job, and, and God, yeah, shut up. Can I say that on the air? No. no? Okay, I won't. <laughs> so anyhow, I was at the job, and, and God had, had turned this job that I hated into a job that I was actually starting to like and then ended up loving to the point where when I got offered a job making a lot more money and better benefits and all, I actually was praying about should I leave this job that I once hated. But one of the things that happened was there was a guy who was one of the lead foremen and back then, they had boom boxes. Some of you young people may not know what a boom box is, but this was before we had little bitty things to listen to. We had real big things to listen to, and instead of having a Walkman, you had this big box you put on your shoulder and walked down the road with. And, uh, but he had this boom box, and they would play what in Pensacola was TK-101. I don't even know if TK-101 exists anymore, but TK-101 at that time, most of the music they played was really loud, and a lot of it was about drugs or suicide. And it was, it was just music I didn't want to hear as a believer, and it was played all day long. Well, the guy who had that boombox ended up coming to faith in the Lord. And so then he started playing, uh, what was it, WPF? Anyhow, it was the, the Christian station in town on it, which really aggravated everybody else, but then I was happy. So, uh, I mean, not happy they were aggravated, but happy they weren't playing well, maybe I was a little happy they were aggravated. But, but anyhow, so he started that. But, but what happened was his mother uh, went and bought groceries because he had been such a tormentor to me. His, when he became a believer, his mother wanted to do something nice for me. So she went shopping. And she went shopping and she brought groceries and, and brought them to the place where I worked. And so we, I got the groceries, and like I'm weeping, and God's so good, and, and all that. And I get the groceries home, and I start unloading the groceries at the house. And as I'm unloading them, I'm noticing that not only is it everything that was on our list, but it was the brands that we use, like, or would use if we could afford the things on the list. They're like, we, we like Kraft mayonnaise, and we want Heinz ketchup, and we want, but all the things, all the way down to like Hebrew National hot dogs, and it was all the things on our list. And so I'm going through and we start checking off the list because we're like so excited. God's so cool. He did this. So we're checking off the list, checking off the list, checking off the list. And then we get to the, done and there's one item left on the list. Cheese. There was no cheese in the bag. And so I'm like, okay, Lord. 
Where's my cheese? I, I, you know, because God doesn't do part way things. He fulfills it. You know, when he does things, he does things. And so I'm like, okay, Lord, where's the cheese? I don't understand. Where's the cheese? And I, I was actually kind of getting frustrated. Like, where's the cheese? It's got to be here. Where's the cheese? I, I told Pammy, I said, you should call her and see if she left the cheese in her car. And maybe it's there. But in that meantime, someone came knocking on our door. And back then they used to give away government cheese. These big blocks of cheese, they were like five pounds of cheese. Someone knocked on the door and said, hey, we had this cheese that was left over. We really don't need it. Could you guys have it? And I went, oh, so there's the cheese. <laughs> so, but the point is, when God makes a promise, he fulfills his promise. When God does something, he does it. And when he told Abraham that he would be the father of many nations... We look at this and we say, well, how's that happen? How's this going to happen? And I'm not saying that Abraham should have listened to Sarah and had relations with Hagar. God could have answered this another way. But I'm saying he always answers and fulfills his promises and that we need to understand and hold on to those things because just like God changed Abram to Abraham... The Bible says he gave each one of us a new name. And with that name comes the promises associated with it. And we should hold on to those promises. Too many people give up on God and try to do it their own way at their own time and get in trouble because of it. Okay, in hope beyond hope, he trusted that he would become the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And without becoming weak in faith, he considered his own body as good as dead, since he was already a hundred years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. And he said, without becoming weak in faith, he still considered the reality of his situation. I think sometimes we look at our own abilities... And try to figure out how to make the dead come to life again. When God doesn't need us to do that. And he already has a plan to, to do this. And we need to understand, you know, it, it, it's... Um, sometimes God has a blessing for us that he wants us to have. But he wants it to be something that we couldn't possibly do for ourselves so that he gets all the glory. We're going to talk a little more about that as we go through Romans, because uh, the next series of verses in Romans talks about that. But if we don't let people know, if we don't reach out and, and share with God and share with others and give opportunity for people to pray with us, a lot of times we're doing on our own and we're not realizing, uh, it's not a contradiction to say, this is beyond me and still have faith. Abraham looked at his own body and said, it's not happening by me without a miracle. And it's not happening by Sarah without a miracle. But he never wavered in his faith just because he knew he couldn't do it without God. Now, I want to say the other side of that flip of the coin is, that there are a lot of times we're supposed to be the miracle that God is providing for somebody else. And it is supposed to be from what we have and can do. And a lot of times we don't do what we're do supposed to do because we're saying, oh, God will provide. It's kind of like the old joke. This man uh, has a daughter and his daughter invites this young man to, to his house to meet him. She's the young girl's in love with him and. The father and mother have a discussion, and she says, look, just be nice to him. Just be nice. You know, it, it may not be, it may be, but just be nice. So the young man comes in, and the father says, um, so what do you do for a living? He said, well, I'm looking for work, but God will provide. He said, well, do you have a place to live? He says, well, I'm looking for a place, but God will provide. And he says, well... How are you going to afford to support my daughter? And he says, well, we're working on that, but God will provide. And so when he goes home, he says, his wife says, so what do you think of him? He says, well, he seems like a nice guy, but he thinks he th I think he thinks I'm God. 
so sometimes we're the, the, the mechanism God's supposed to use to take care of other people. Uh, sometimes it happens through the miraculous, but sometimes we're the miraculous. Heaped up, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto you. So let's not forget that sometimes we're the miracle that God uses to provide these things. Okay, um, yet he did not waver in unbelief concerning the promise of God. Rather, he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Imagine this, year after year, year after year, getting older and older and older and older and older. Today we went and got uh, eye exams, and the doctor's looking at Pammy's eye, and she says, at the other place, they said, I, I might have the beginnings of something, macular degeneration or whatever. And he said, well, I looked in your eyes, and what you have is the beginning of old. <laughs> you know, we, we're, just, we're just getting older. But every year, we get older and older and older and older and older. And Abraham, year after year after year after year, waiting on the fulfillment of this promise, waiting for it to happen, waiting for it to come forth, and it doesn't happen, and it doesn't happen, and it doesn't happen, and it doesn't happen. But while it's not happening, he doesn't waver in unbelief the entire time. Now, the question to ask is, have any of us ever been that faithful? I mean, we look at the promises that God has given us. Have, I mean, I know in my life, I'd like to say that I didn't ever waver in unbelief. I'm so thankful that God doesn't like rip out the page the minute we show doubt. And say, well, you showed doubt. That's out of you. Giving glory to God. He was fully convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to do. That is why it was credited to him for righteousness. Now, not only his sake was it written that it was credited him righteous, but for our sake as well, it is credited to, uh, those, <clears throat> to us, those who trust in him who raised Yeshua, our Lord, from the dead. He was handed over for our transgressions, raised up for the sake of setting us right. Now, I want to say something here that's really important to understand because... There are a lot of people who take this verse and it says, and it was credited him for righteousness. And there's other places it says by, you know, Abraham's faithfulness and that was credited him for righteousness. And all of that's great and it's good. And understand that he was faithful and it was credited him for righteousness. He trusted and it was faithful, uh, credited him for righteousness. But we also have to remember that when God told Abraham to get up out of Ur of Chaldees, he got up and did what he told him to. It isn't that Abraham was credited for righteousness without obeying God. And we have to understand that. There are a lot of people who say, you see, Abraham was just credited. Just He believed and it was righteous. Well, he believed and he went. He believed. He traveled a long distance. He packed up his house. He did what he was supposed to. He believed and he fought the battles against the adversaries and, and, and all these things that he did for God that God said to do. So it's not faith without works. It's faith plus works. Yeshua said it this way, occupy until I come. He that endures to the end, the same will be redeemed or saved. So it's important to know that. <clears throat> Likewise, just as it was credited to Abraham for righteousness, his belief in God's promise our righteousness is based upon our belief that Yeshua is the Messiah, that he lived, that he died, that he rose again, that he sent the Ruach to fill us, and that he's coming back for us. All of that, our faith in that is credited to us for righteousness. But that doesn't absolve us of the responsibility to walk in faith, to be obedient. He that loves me, keeps my commandments, all of those verses that go with that. It's not one without the other. We do things for him in response to what he's done for us. Hopefully that's on 5.1 behind me. 
Now we continue on with chapter 5. Therefore, having been made righteous by trusting, and again, when we start a, a verse with therefore, that means this is connected to the previous. Therefore is not a standalone. Therefore is a, a, a con connector to the previous. So the previous understanding that Abraham went, he did, he served, he obeyed, he trusted, he believed, and he held fast to that faith without wavering or doubting is what the therefore is. So having been made like him, righteous by trusting. Now the Greek word for trusting, it's translated here, uh, is the same word for faith, but it's an active word. It's a verb. It's not trusting as in doing nothing, but trusting in doing something. We don't faith. We faithing. We don't have faith. We have faithing. It's something we do. It's a response. It's an active word. Okay, by trusting, he says, we have shalom with God through our Lord Yeshua the Messiah. I love, um, there, there, there's a, a, a part of Messianic Judaism that doesn't exist in non-Messianic Judaism or Judaism without Yeshua. It's probably a better way to say it because there are Jewish people who are Messianic who are waiting for a Messiah but they don't know who it is yet or they've identified as someone else. But there's something in Messianic Judaism that's not in Judaism without Yeshua and that's this shalom. What I mean by that is I was raised up in synagogue and every year when Yom Kippur was over, all we had was maybe. You know, at the end of, of Yom Kippur, when the books were sealed, you couldn't stand there and say, I am absolutely positive that I'm in the book. Uh, Menachem Mendel Schneerson, the great Lubavitch rabbi, uh, one of the standout leaders of, of Judaism in the last century and, and before that, was asked, are you right before the Lord? Are you in the book? And he said, I hope so. In other words, it's possible I'm not. The thing we have hope in is that as long as we continue faithing, we have shalom or peace with God through Yeshua. That is one of the most wonderful things that, that we talk quickly about sometimes and we don't always get a handle on because we beat ourselves up over our failures and our, our attitudes and our mistakes and when we fall down or when we stumble or when we say something we shouldn't say and, and we just get all turned aside and, and inside out over it and we, we wonder, am I even saved? Am I even going to make it? Am I? But the truth is, if we're moving toward God faithing, we have a promise of redemption. It doesn't say that we are perfect. Matter of fact, the scripture says, be perfect as the Father in heaven is perfect. It never once says, be perfect as Yeshua was. Yeshua was sinless and perfect. God's a spirit. We can be perfect in spirit. But we're not going to be, except for maybe Catherine. The rest <laughs> of us struggle with things. We, the rest of us fight. Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the Brit Kadashah, said, When I try to do good, good's not within me. But he never once wavered in his faith and trust and the shalom of God in his life. I am so thankful as a Jewish believer. And, and that doesn't make it more special than a non-Jewish person having the same shalom. But I don't have to wonder, am I going to make it? I don't sit up at night wondering, am I going to make it? What if I have peace with God through Yeshua? And if the Bible only had that one verse in it, it would be enough 
just knowing that I have shalom, that I have this perfect peace, this this wholeness with God through Yeshua. And again, when we talk about the word shalom, we generally talk about shalom being peace or hello, goodbye. But it has this completeness in it. And these words say shalom with God. What did Adam lose? He lost the shalom with God. And we have that back. It's just such a powerful beginning to this. Therefore, because God showed himself faithful in Abraham's life, even though we look at Abraham and say, you know, Abraham, he is a really good guy, but he is also not so good at times. You know, Abraham is threatened with his life, and he sends his wife. You know, I don't want him to kill me. Here, have Sarah. She's my sister. That's not, I mean, if we were talking about that today, if, you know, if, if somebody came into a store and you were there with your wife and he said, uh, you know, I'm going to kill you. And said, oh, don't kill me. Take my wife. None of us would look at that and say, you know, that's a stand up guy. <laughs> that guy who's I want my children to be like. That's the father of my faith. That's not how we would look at that. So when we talk about Abraham having faith, it doesn't mean he was perfect. It means God is perfect. And that he was faithing toward God. And that faith-ing was considered righteousness. Through him we have gained access. Access to where? Ganiden. To the Garden of Eden. We have access to the one place we couldn't go to anymore. Now when do we get there? Here's the really cool thing. We're already there. We're just still here. Because there, there's no time. So every one of us that are faithing and found righteous and have shalom with God, outside of time and space, we're already there. That's where the tree of life is. That's where eternity dwells. We've gained access back to that, into this grace in which we stand and boast in hope of God's glory. Boasting's not bad if you're boasting in God's glory. And not only that, but we also boast in suffering, knowing that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance character and character hope. (sighs) Do you wish those verses weren't in the Bible? (laughs) Yes. Doesn't it it sound like, you know, that, that, that Paul is writing this and he says, we have this amazing hope. We have this wonderful God who answers prayer and everything is fabulous. Except when we're suffering. (laughs) Knowing that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not disappoint because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Ruach HaKodesh who is given to us. Now... If we had no responsibility in how we act or live, all we had to do was say a prayer, shake a hand, send a check every now and then. Because tithing and offerings somehow is the one part of the Torah that people who preach grace still believe in. I haven't quite figured out why that, that's that, but, but that seems to be a consistent thing. That at least offerings, and in most cases, tithe. If all we had to do was say a prayer, repeat after me this prayer, and you are saved now and forevermore through the grace of God. It's not you, it's just Him. What's the use of suffering? Why would we need to persevere? Persevere for what? 
Persevere to what? What's the goal of persevering if you already have the goal? And why would we need to change our character? You know what character is? Character is not like Minnie Mouse or Scooby-Doo. Character is who you are. It's your name. It's, it's what makes you, you. And it's through perseverance that only comes through suffering. Why do believers suffer? It's because we have character flaws. What's another word for character flaw? Sin. <laughs> there we go. This is not all that difficult to understand if you just think and like read it as if it was one book. What's the purpose of any of this? If, if there's no need to change, why would he do something to get us to change? If I, if I believed, well, first of all, if, yeah, let me start with if I believed. If I believed that all you had to do was say a prayer and you'd go to heaven no matter what happened, I would spend all day walking down the road just talking to people saying, look, it doesn't really matter if you believe. You just have to say these words. If you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. You have to work toward it. You have to go toward it. But God's done it all. And let me explain. Have them say the prayer. And then I'd go on to the next person. I'd never build a building. I'd never build a yeshiva. I'd never build a school. I'd never build a Shabbat school. I'd never have a service anywhere. Because ministry is for the perfecting of the saints. For the maturing of the believers. Why would you need that? If maturity is not required in any way, why even bother with it? If all they had to do was say that prayer and believe that they said that prayer and they were all right. And never adjust their life in any way. Why bother with any of this? And hope does not disappoint because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Ruach HaKadosh who was given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Messiah died for the ungodly. For rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone might even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Messiah died for us. This is the other half of that first statement. That we can have absolute trust in what God did. We also have to understand that none of us are worthy of what he did. That every one of us were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. That not one of us were worthy or earned what he did. That's important to note because a lot of the struggle we have as believers is our lack of worthiness. You know, we struggle with something, we fight battles, we argue with people, we uh, drive down the road like Rivka. We fail, we sin, we aren't perfect. We have thoughts we shouldn't have and sometimes we don't catch them before they become more than just thoughts. We feel worthless. And because we feel worthless, we feel like we don't deserve what God has already done for us. And so people struggle with not being healed or not being blessed or not being provided for because they think they have something to do with it. When the reality is we have nothing to do with that. Because while we were ungodly, he did. 
And you have to remember, at the right time, Messiah died for the ungodly. What happened just before he died? He took the stripes that brought healing while we were still ungodly. While we were still ungodly, he provided the healing for us. So this is really important for us to understand it because our misunderstanding of our value keeps us from both understanding that we didn't have to earn it and that he provided it in this unique, powerful way that he'll fulfill his promises to us. And remember, when God called Abraham, Abraham was an idolater. The Bible is a book of the history of failure so that we would see that those same people that failed were able to succeed so that we could also. There's not one person in the Bible that we would look to as a hero of faith that wasn't either responding to sin or overcoming sin. Samson. I love Samson. Samson's the Peter of the Old Testament. You know, Peter was the guy who cut off the ear because they weren't going to take his Messiah, even though he had just told them they're coming to take me and this is going to happen. Okay, Peter was, you know, in, in all ways before Peter becomes the leader of the Messianic movement in Jerusalem, um, in all ways he failed. And yet we see him as this hero of faith. He's the one that denied Messiah three times while he was on the cross. Samson's the Peter of the Old Testament. God used him in tremendous ways, but he was a flawed human being. Fell in love with somebody he shouldn't have been in love with. Ended up losing his hair, his eyes. But God uses him to deliver Israel from the Philistines. It ain't about us. It's about him. And when we get that, it becomes easier, easier for us to begin to faith. To begin to act in that way. Does that make sense? It goes on, for rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. You know, when I was in the Navy, I can't tell you how many times we talked about, oh, if a grenade came in here, I'd jump on it. But then that same person would, you know, be dust on the floor that didn't get picked up. And nobody would claim they were the one that didn't pick it up. <laughs> you know, a valiant effort uh, is easily spoken of, but rarely acted upon. God demonstrated his love toward us while we were sinners. He died for us. How much more than having now been set right by his blood shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if we were yet enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? All this is saying is if God loved you enough to die for you before you believed in him, how much easier should it be for us to walk with him now that we do? And not only that, but we also boast in God through our Lord Yeshua the Messiah, through whom we now have received reconciliation. Again, that word reconciliation uh, is a reconnection 
back to where the first Adam fell, the second Adam restored. This is the walk with God in the cool of the garden. This is to have a one-on-one personal relationship with the king of the universe. Does she need something? Hmm? Okay. Um, we can get you some. Just if you'll sit, we'll bring you some. No, no, don't be sorry. She's adorable. We just want to make sure she's taken care of. We're, we're a family here. So this, we just say, hey, can I get a drink? And someone will get you one. Now it'll be water here. We don't serve some of that other stuff, but not here. Also, if you need to know, the restrooms are out through that door. Okay. Uh, for while we were yet enemies, we were reconciled to God through his death. Reconciliation is, you know, what? anybody have a checkbook still? Do y'all reconcile your checkbook? I know Hosanna must. <laughs> Do y'all reconcile your checkbook? Let's, let's make everything equal out. Everything becomes balanced. That's what this is saying. Our, our sins are empty and gone so that our balance is zero and reconciled. There's, there's no discrepancy in the case of it. And, and Yeshua did that for us. I cannot... It, when we understand that when God, if we're believers and God opens up the book of our life, all he sees is good, better, and best. You can talk to him and say, you remember when I did this? I sinned. He's like, what are you talking about? It doesn't exist. It's as far as the east is from the west. Another place said, tossed into the sea of forgetfulness. That's where we get tashlik from. Uh, those that do that on Rosh Hashanah, you, you take the bread and cast it on the water and it just goes out. And that's, that's how God does our sin. It just goes away. It's gone. And we go, but you remember when I did this? No. But I did this. No, you didn't. But that, no. Opens your book. All he sees are the good things you've done. There's not a evidence or a record of any sin, shame, or failure. Because it's all washed and covered by the atoning blood of Yeshua. That's what atonement means. It's covered. It's gone. It's erased. That's why it says, though your sins be as scarlet, they're white as snow. They don't exist anymore. So then just as sin came into the world through one man and death, uh, death through sin, in the same way death spread to all men because all sinned. For up till Torah sin was in the world, but sin does not count as sin when there is no law. This is where we get all stirred up. Okay, because we get into this sin was not sin when it was sin, but it is. It's in the world, but it doesn't, and there's no law and all the there's always been law. There just hasn't been a written law. God's law existed from the very beginning. God said you can eat everything you want to except for this. That's a law. Matter of fact, the very first law was a food law. So does God care what you eat? Ask Adam and Eve. <laughs> Seemed like there was a little problem. Okay, so just understand that, that there were laws, but it wasn't codified in a written document that was presented to Israel and Israel agreed to do it. Before that covenant was made, God just said his law. Man had to keep it as it was given. If there wasn't law... In the garden, it would have been unrighteous for God to convict Adam of violating a law. It's kind of like a parent punishing a child for doing something they never told not to do. It's unjust. It's unfair. It's unrighteous. Sin came into the world through one man. 
What is sin? According to 1 John, sin is the transgression of law. Sin came in the world through one man and death because of sin. Death is the curse for sin. In the same way, death spread to all men because all sinned. For up until the Torah or the instruction, sin was in the world. But sin does not count as sin where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the matter similar to violation of Adam, who is pattern of the one to come. And again, all this, this sounds like really confusing words. Death ruled from Adam until Moses. And, but all it's saying is until Moses, it wasn't written and entered into in covenant the way it was with Israel. God spoke from the mountain and Israel said, all that you said we will do. And they now had a list of all they were going to do. But it also says that death reigned until then. Death is the result of sin. So we're not saying there was no sin. They're saying the covenant that God made with Israel codified the law in a written form for everyone. But the, but the gracious gift is not like the transgression. For if many died because of the transgression of one man, how much more did the grace of God overflow to many through the gift of one man, Yeshua the Messiah? How much better is the restoration of life and the removal of the curse? It, it, it's it's kind of like when you tell your child, don't do this, don't do this, and you have to punish them and punish them and punish them and punish them. And then all of a sudden you come home and they did it. They didn't have to be asked. And it was done right the first time. And for some reason, you forget about all the times they didn't do it because you're just so happy that it was done right this time. A good act always outweighs a bad act in the way we think and understand. Moreover, the gift is not like what happened through the one who sinned. For on one hand, the judgment from one violation resulted in condemnation but on the other hand, the gracious gift following many transgressors resulted in justification. Different things. Condemnation is different from conviction. Condemnation pushes down. There is now no condemnation to those who are in Messiah Yeshua. If you're doing something and you feel condemned or belittled or, or attacked, that's not coming from God. That's coming from the evil one. God is a loving father who says, you can do better than this. Yes, you failed and I'm going to have to chastise you, but you can be better than this. Let me lift you up. Let me clean you off. Let me take care of you. That's why this whole cheap, easy grace that says you don't have to do anything different, you don't have to change, you don't live, you can do anything you want to is so wrong because no loving parent anywhere would ever treat their child that way. Okay, go play in the street. It's okay. Yeah, go ahead, climb that power line. No problem. Yeah, play with that gun. It's all right. None of us would ever treat our children in the way many preachers teach God treats us. God is the most loving, kind, patient, understanding Father 
we could imagine and better than that. He would not be less of a parent than we are. It would be against his nature and character and against his word. Just can't happen. God's gracious gift following many transgressions, no matter what, how many sins, you can't sin so much that God won't justify you if you come to him. Thankfully, for some of us, really thankfully. For if by one man's transgression death reigned through one, how much more shall those who receive the overflow of grace through the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one Messiah Yeshua? How much more powerful is grace than sin? Light isn't the opposite of darkness. Light is the absence of darkness. Light doesn't just replace darkness, it drives it away. It vanquishes it. God's grace is so powerful and so good, it is not the opposite of sin. It vanquishes sin. It drives sin away. It's gone, it disappears. So then, through the transgression of one, condemnation came to all men. Likewise, through the righteousness of one came righteousness of life to all men. I love that righteousness of life as opposed to condemnation and death. For just as through the disobedience of one man many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man many will be set right forever. Now the Torah came in so that transgression might increase, but where sin increased, grace overflowed even more. Now here's an interesting thing, because this confuses people. Yes? Three what? Okay. I'm going to start this. I'll finish next time. It's important for us to understand the reason Torah came so uh, transgression might increase is because Torah was supposed to go to the world. It was Adam. It was Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. It was one family. It was one people. But the Torah was given to Israel and the nations. It was supposed to go everywhere. So transgression increased because more people knew what sin was. It wasn't just for Israel. It wasn't just for Adam. It wasn't just for Eve. It was for everyone. So everyone knew. Wait a minute. That's sin? Uh, Quick example, and I've said this before, so again, forgive me. When I first became a believer, no one told me about tithing. In synagogue, you don't tithe today. You pay dues and you give offerings. That's it. You have tzedakah. You, you help buy ambulances for Israel. You do different things, but they, you come in, you show your paperwork, you pay your dues, boom, you're done. In the Bible, it talks about tithing. Well, I was a believer for like six months before someone said something about tithing, and then I got like really condemned. I was like, how am I ever going to catch up? I don't make any money now, and if I have to pay tithes on all that money that I didn't get, and I was like all under the, you know, all this stuff. I didn't realize I had sinned until I realized it was a sin. That's what this is talking about. People in the nations, the pagans, the people that were Canaanites and and Hittites and Jebusites and all the otherites, they didn't know any of this was sin. So it wasn't that they weren't sinning, it's just what they didn't know. But then they knew and it increased. More people understood. It became revealed. We're going to stop there for tonight and continue next week. So those that are watching online, please remember to tune back in next week. Those that are here, thank you for coming. Uh, And remember all the things I announced earlier that are coming up over the next few days, especially Catherine's 30th, 3-0, 30th birthday, which will be Sunday, Saturday, Monday. Monday evening, the 6th, the day, the 4th at 6. Why are you trying to confuse me? Monday, the 4th at 6 here at the synagogue. So everyone's invited. They can come.
thank you.